We are back, baby. We are back. That's we right. are back. You are looking live. We get after it. You know, we jabber jaw. We go tit for tat. We have our little differences. Let's get funky like a monkey. And here we go. Hello and welcome to the Moose and Moose podcast. This episode 149 and a half. That's yes. right. We're giving you a half episode. We're actually giving you like a third of an episode, yeah. but we're not making it 150 because we want to do justice by 150 and a clairvoyant thought, I think, I think would be a good way to put it. Like I, I had a breakthrough When you're done yesterday. with this thought, I'm going to need to hear what clairvoyant means. Okay. I had a breakthrough yesterday on what we should do for 150. Yes, it did take six days for me to reach this sort of um, Sometimes sort it of takes the creative juices that long to yeah. get going. Sometimes, we're it, gonna sometimes do, it happens six minutes. Sometimes it happens six days. We're going to do a Moose and Runes best. Like a lot of times when shows hit these marks, they'll do a best of with old clips from the show. That's not what we're doing. We're doing a Moose and Runes best. So you're going to send us in a mailbag type fashion your best ofs. Uh, Moose and Runes, what is the best bite in Chicago? Moose and Runes, what is your best non-Chicago championship moment? Moose and Runes, what is your favorite or best non-Tiger highlight? Now, I know I just did two nons, but you can do it however you want. We want you to send us topics, and we will give you our best. Um, We want to bring you something special here for episode 150. So we're going to take the next week. We're going to compile some topics between Matt and I, and we're also going to you know, as we said, take to the masses here and get your best lists. Now, you could even offer, uh, we'll call you out on the podcast next week. You can offer us the question and your answer, and then we'll weigh in however you want to do it. We want to give you some bests for 150. But with that, I say hello. Matt, how are you? Good. I'm, I'm doing pretty well. Uh, Would you, you say you're the best? Uh, you know, I'm probably not the best. I'm usually the best when we're not in quarantine and I'm able to be on a golf course. That's fair. Um, but, you know, for, for as far as quarantine goes, yeah, uh, I think I'm doing pretty well. How about yourself? Sounds like you're feeling sorry for yourself a little bit there, but Well, you know, we, and I'm not feeling sorry for myself right now. Yeah. I, don't get me wrong. I think we've all probably had a moment or two here and there where we, you know, we wish things were back to normal, but I'm doing good. I, I've learned uh, that I'm a decent cook now, Joe, when I try. I'm Very experimenting good. with some yeah, things yeah. in the kitchen. It's going it's pretty well. It's not that hard. You just got to get over the hump see, there. What I hate the most is the cleaning aspect of it. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm to the point where like I almost don't eat the meal until the dishes are done because I just hate having the dirty dishes. It's, I, uh, it. I actually saw a Twitter poll of when do you clean before eating, after eat, or before cooking, after cooking, after eating, or throughout. Cooking throughout is the way to go, Matt. Because oh, no, that, that's what I do. Like, when I'm done with something, I start like I clean it. But obviously, yeah. like, if I'm using a, a you know, you got those little down steak. moments. Use, you use know, those like, little down moments. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. I, I clean what I can, but there's some things you can't clean until the absolute end, Joe. So, uh, so quarantine is offering even our even our great Matt Rooney a little bit of growth here in the kitchen specifically. So. Um, good things coming out of a bad situation. I think that's that's what shows true greatness there, man. Yeah, I think it shows a lot of grit as well. Yeah, I actually, was, I actually was told by my girlfriend yesterday that she's very proud of how I'm handling all of this. And I went, what do you mean? She goes, like the, like the no sports thing. She goes, I thought you were going to be kind of a little bit tougher. And it sucks, but I'm, I'm, I'm suppressing it. I'm pushing it down. Yeah, and that's just bury it deep down, Joe. Yeah, and I think the ability to still go into work and talk about sports-related things. Now, we're not obviously covering games or topics, but yesterday we were fortunate enough to have 
one of our contributors on the show, Scott Pioli, who is general manager of the of, of the New England Patriots for a very long time. And you know, we did a reprisal on the 2000 draft. He played a large role in drafting Tom Brady, 199th overall to New England. So I think today is the anniversary. That. That 20 year anniversary. Today is the anniversary of that. Um, he he told some awesome stories regarding that. So, you know, I'm still getting to scratch that itch as well as here with you, Matt. Why can't the Bears, like, pick up a six-round quarterback that goes on to be a generational talent? Well, you got to be you got to be fair here. That doesn't often happen. It's okay, a six-round quarterback that is, like, a decent player. Or just a quarterback yeah. that turns out to be it's, a decent player. Okay, and we've had this conversation here before. And not to, I'm not sure to bring the podcast again. down. I'm but. sure we will again. No, not not to go negative here, and it's not bear specific, but the reason that Tom Brady and give Tom Brady all the credit in the world for the player that he is and the player that he became, but those formative few years oh, at yeah. the beginning, it where really it? depends where you're at. 100%. If you're in New England with a great support system around you, the Bill Belichick's, the Scott Pioli's, the great players, um, it, you, it allows your work ethic and your talent to rise to the top. Whereas if you know, it's going to be very interesting to see what happens here in a couple months uh, in leading up to the season, what Joe Burrow becomes in Cincinnati, what Tua becomes in Miami. Now, Miami does have an offensive-minded coach there, a guy who knows how to work with quarterbacks. Maybe you're a little bit more enthused by that. But the first overall pick often doesn't pan out because he works into a, and excuse my language here, an absolute shit show. You know, he works into a building that doesn't really go on, like know what's going on. And that's what a lot of our experts have said about this upcoming draft as well is it's so where you to, go. It, not only that, but it's going to further illuminate what front offices are prepared for any sort of situation. Like there's due diligence on another level. There is not everyone's doing the same homework uh, from all 32 franchises. And a virtual draft is really going to show you who's who's pliable, who can change, who can uh, you know operate on the fly, who has the facilities, who has the you know the technology to support their homework. And you're also going to see, you know, what, what franchises maybe are a little bit behind the eight ball in all of those aspects. I mean, Dave Gettleman, the Giants GM, put out a picture of his war room, and it's him with like it's Windows ninety seven. Uh, yeah, him with a laptop of Windows ninety seven. He's got the paperclip popping up in the corner, asking him if he needs any help, and he does. Like it, it's, I, if I was a Giants fan, I'd be worried. I'd be very, very worried. And as a Bears fan, I'm a little bit worried. I maybe you know. I'm Ryan not worried from the technology aspect. No, not from a technology aspect, but from a you know. Uh, the ability to get everything done you want to get done remotely. And that means negotiating. That means not mm-hmm. being in a war room and Ryan Pace having to think for himself. Obviously, he's going to be on conference calls with all his people, but there's no substitute for in-person connectivity. There's no substitute for you know seeing the look on, on your comrade's face before making that pick and really being able to read things. I think that you know, we have to trust in Ryan Pace, uh, I guess. But I think that to go back to the greater point here, the lesser franchises will be exposed a week from today. So what you're saying is, and not to steal a line from the great Normesh, is men form habits and habits form futures. And depending on what organization that. you go to, like, like Tom Brady, New England, or maybe Joe Burrow to Cincinnati, depending on where you go, that helps you kind of helps or hinders you in developing the right habits. And this guess, also does. Is, yeah. This also does fall under a, a normism of uh, failing to prepare is preparing to fail. There you go. You know, so Both you, you got that you pick one your too. poison. 
<laughs> um, Matt, as we said, this is going to be an abridged 149 and a half. We are soliciting those best of. Isn't it nice to be able to make the rules of our own podcast? Just Yeah. No, no this isn't not, 150. This is, if we're actually counting, this is probably like 154 because we've done I was going to say, we'd probably be closer times. to 160 than anything because yeah. we've done a, a number of half episodes, mm-hmm. a couple emergency pods. The numbering might have been a little shoddy off the top, too, in that first decade. Um, yeah, so it's our podcast. We, 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 we do what we say, want. What we what we say says what we say goes, and sometimes we don't say it. Sometimes sometimes we don't say it that concisely. Uh, But one forty nine and a half here, Matt. We still do have a couple topics. What we says goes. What we says goes here on the Moose and Runes podcast. Looks like we have a title for this podcast. And what we says is that golf will begin on June eleventh, or at least that's what the PGA Tour is going for. Last week they released the major schedule. This week a revised schedule, kind of start to finish, starting on June eleventh at the I don't have it in front Colonial, of me, I believe. Colonial, yeah. starting at Colonial, they're playing guaranteed the first four tournaments on tour without fans. If you're asking me, I think that number of tournaments will grow, especially oh, yeah. absolutely as we get closer to that date. But conservatively. June 11th, no fans at Colonial. Um, your thoughts, Matt? Obviously, it's still over a month away here. I mean, almost a month and a half, or more than a month and a half, almost two months here. Um, but your your initial thoughts when you see that sort of relaunch plan from the PGA? That's great. Uh, I, I think they're going to be some of the highest rating sporting events I think we've had in, in quite some time. I don't doubt that they'll be able to get them that they'll be able to um, do this in terms of, you know, health, safety and all that, because you don't announce this plan, this schedule without having pretty much everything you need to have cleared. Um, The fans thing is not going to happen in four weeks. I mean, that's good on them for not writing it off immediately and saying, you know, it's not going to happen, but within a couple of weeks, you'll see that kind of just keep getting pushed back and pushed back. Um, That said, we've kind of said it for a while now. Golf seems to be the one sport that you can kind of keep practicing social distancing while yep. still putting on. Um, and now, not to cut you off here. No, go for it. But that's what indicates to me that we're not going to see any sports period until June 11th. Yes, baseball is trying to be creative with the way they relaunch um, other sports leagues. Uh, we'll probably see a little bit of UFC before, but main core four, core five sports here. Um, we're probably not going to see anything until June 11th because of the fact that golf. Agreed is the easiest conceptually Agreed. to relaunch. Um, now we'll see baseball. Not, I think at some point, and I know they said, you know, may mid late may was kind of their goal. That's probably not going to happen. I, but I don't it, think we see baseball until July to be honest. Oh yeah, that, I, I was going to say probably late June, it, it, yeah. a couple weeks after this golf thing might be when I would expect <laughs> to see that. But I do think we'll see it at some point. Because one thing that in all of these harebrained schemes that they've come up with, the ideas to relaunch in the MLB, the Players Association and the union is adamant about at least a month of spring training, getting guys up to speed for at least a month. Um, The the players also don't really seem to love it from what I've seen. I I know at least different plans being sequestered from your family for six months and having to play baseball. Not that that they would, but like. They're like at least from the terms of the uh, in terms of from what I've seen from the White Sox and obviously I'm in you know group work text where you know people are yeah. talking to Sox and all that type of stuff. Um, the White Sox players don't really seem to love it, and I don't think they're all that on board with it. I think the overarching theme is they'd like to get something figured out, and maybe if this is your last ditch effort, they'd rather not do it for you know four or five months. Yeah. Um, but I think they'd like to. Uh, 
very understandably try and figure out something that gets them a little bit more freedom than being, you know, shuttled from field to hotel, field to hotel, and being separate from their families, all that stuff. I'm going to beat this drum. I'm going to beat this drum until we hear music. You launch the season in July with the Home Run Derby, an American spectacle. An American spectacle, Matthew. July 4th, Home Run Derby, Stars and Stripes, and then whatever you can do after that in terms of limited fans, no fans, baseball and stadiums, travel, mm-hmm. whatever it may be in the July 4th area, we go from there. But just fireworks, hot dogs, home runs. That's what uh, I look Those are three of my favorite things. <laughs> I thought you were a Polish guy. You said I, Polish. I, I love both. Apogio. I love both. <laughs> um, Matt, we do have to, <clears throat> excuse me, we do have to turn our attention to uh, college football and college sports a little bit here as well. Uh, the vice president talking with the football organizational committee. I know I'm not getting that name right, but Wednesday there it's was a right. call in which the college decision makers made it clear to Vice President Pence that there will be no college athletics until students are allowed on campus. And I think that that has from to be op- the decision. It has to be the standpoint because you you further remove yourself from the idea of a student athlete if we are mm-hmm. clearing athletes to be on campus, but students still are not. So um, just looking forward to this football season and what, what we heard yesterday and what what's coming out of the state of California with Governor Newsom saying that, you know, it's not likely that there's going to be any sort of large sporting events until 2021. Um, they're obviously taking the the very, very safe and cautious route there. Um, now, do they come around on no fans? Perhaps. Matt, do you believe that this fall we'll be looking at football games being played in empty stadiums? Uh, I think we'll be looking at, <coughs> excuse me, um, some NFL games being played in empty stadiums. I do think college is going to get, I think we'll have a college football season. I think it's going to get pushed back. Um, it, it sounds like I forgot if it was Kirk Herbstreet or one of the some college football personality was was basically saying the the idea of a February to May college football season is starting to gain some serious momentum, um, and I think that sounds a little bit more realistic. Especially that's probably when you're looking at the best chance of everybody kind of being back on campus because I think that's kind of when they're projecting to have a vaccine kind of ready to type, go. Yeah. Second semester type thing, and like you said, you can't have kids student athletes back on campus without you know regular students being allowed back there because of this pandemic so it 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 opens up Pandora's box and forces you to make them you know not real students anymore they become athletes that all makes that all makes sense to me but at the same time you're then and i know it's a very small portion of these players but you're completely delaying the draft process next season. Yeah. You're delaying the combine. You're delaying pro days. You're delaying uh, the time that franchises have to break down the film that's occurring from February to whenever. Um, I just don't know if big business allows something like that to happen. When it comes down to it, though, I think it's a lot more important to these schools to have a season and make kind of their money off these gates if they can than and yeah. kind of just throw that towards the NFL and be like, you know what? Kind of your problem. And if How many- some of the bigger names, if some of the projected first round picks choose to, you know, not play football, that's also you know, college football, that's that's their choice. They can do that. And quite honestly, you'll probably see some of the bigger names, the stars just say this season isn't gonna work out for me because I'm getting drafted, all that stuff. Or maybe there's just an exception that, you know, players who are still you know draft eligible can play in that season 
but all you know, a one year exception and still be, you know, eligible for the draft and enter the draft hire an agent and all that stuff. How many of these holier than thou universities come around on the booze in stadium to recoup their losses next year? Oh, season? there's gonna be a lot. <laughs> You're gonna see keggers in every section. Be holding a nice cold Coors Light next time I'm at Notre Dame Stadium. <laughs> Isn't that a scene? Uh, someday, someday. If there's going to be a last place to do it, it's Notre Dame Stadium. But uh, I don't. I they're closer than you think. I believe from what you I think so? from what I've heard. Well, there's always a way to get some booze into the stadium. So we we, we shall. Ind- my my days going to Notre Dame game show. I, I've seen some some very fun, creative ways. Whether that's the 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 Jameson in a water bottle in your shorts, or even. I remember on my oldest brother's senior day, one of his friends, uh, Mike Semino, asked me to, that must have been like a freshman in high school or something at this this point, sophomore in high school, asked me if I could uh, duct tape some Jameson shooters to his arms and legs. Was nice. the tailgate. So I did oh, that. Oh, they're going to say to your arms and legs. So you were you were a drug mule. No, no, he was fine. He had a big coat. Cast as a drug mule. Drug mule. Oh no, I, I snuck in um, something, but it wasn't to the point where I was taping stuff along the, right. the arms and legs. Right. Yeah. Let the court documents reflect such. Uh, I think we're past the statute of limitations on that. That's and fair. if Notre That's Dame, fair. if anyone from Notre Dame is listening to this podcast, please don't ban me from the stadium. Uh, Matt, before we further solicit our best of lists, uh, again, send those to either Matt or myself. Mm-hmm. Those of you who have our numbers or uh, uh, at Moose and Runes on Twitter, send those best of questions. We want to hit that list next week for episode 150. Do some best ofs. But before we go, Matt, uh, this time next week when we talk, we'll have, we will have digested the first two hours of The Last Dance, uh, which airs this coming Sunday. Uh, the first episode, I believe they're doing two hours a Sunday, if I'm not mistaken, like parts mm-hmm. one and two will play this Sunday, yeah. uh, three and four the following, so on and so forth. Uh, MJ came out and said that he thinks that this is going to make people believe that he's just like a super bad dude, for lack of a, a better term. Um, I think that people kind of already had that inkling and have pushed it aside because of his greatness, and that's in mm-hmm. ways what led to his greatness. Matt, what are you most looking forward to at the last dance? For me, uh, just to preface this, I can't wait to, because I have memories of it. And some of my first memories are those last three championships, 96 through 98. Yeah. And those are like my first sports memories. And I remember pieces and I remember celebrations. I don't necessarily remember moments from games other than the biggest ones because we've seen them over and over. So I'm super excited to like get a refresh on what this team really was on court, especially from 91 through 94. Yeah, I don't, I guess I don't really remember. Like you said, I, I've, my first two sports memories really are Steve Kerr's shot against the Jazz in 97 and kind of Jordan's shot in 98. I don't really remember much of the seasons. I don't really remember that offseason. I, I remember in 98 kind of knowing that was it and that was probably Jordan's last shot and that was kind of the end of that team. But mm-hmm. I don't really remember anything that has to do with the stories or why. I don't really remember that in the, in the offseason of 97 that it was up in the air whether or not they'd be back for 98. Like, I don't really remember much of the storylines behind anything. So yeah. I'm, and now I've heard kind of here and there since then, you know, generally what kind of happened. But I'm looking forward to that deep dive and kind of how close things were to breaking up and how they got resolved or who convinced who to come back for one more and kind of what exactly happened. Because I don't really remember the stories behind that or and, how close it was to actually not having Jordan shot in a 98 season. That's going to be really interesting because, you know, we live in an era of comparison where we compare mm-hmm. greats to greats and this will obviously reignite a LeBron-Jordan conversation and whatever it may be. But I'm really excited to see 
how what sort of light this puts today's cores in because mm-hmm. you have Michael Jordan who is by all measures a really tough guy to work with you have Dennis Rodman who was partying with John McEnroe the nights before games you have Scottie Pippen who always wanted to be more than just the bat or the Robin to Jordan's Batman you have Phil Jackson as Zen master as the coach and you have all these little you know ancillary pieces that went around it and somehow this chemistry it was it was toxic but still produced championships on championships i think it's going to really illuminate how big of prima donnas today's players are like like the fact that golden state couldn't put their their issues aside and continue mm-hmm. to a good point. keep a good thing going with kevin durant the fact that you know lebron has had to jump around to i won't say trophy chase but to find the the right alchemy the right situation the players um, it, it, I think that that's going to be the most jarring thing here. It's just like, how the hell did this group of guys make it work over and over and over and over and over? Like, it's, it, I'm super excited for it. I, I can't wait to see how MJ is portrayed because, you know, I'm sure he get he got some sort of editorial uh, passing on this. So I, I don't think it's going to make him out to be a huge villain, but mm-hmm. I think we're going to get to see, like, sort of the inner workings, the gears uh, of what made Michael Jordan tick, I think better than you might have even gotten as a 20-something-year-old in 1995. Yeah, I'm just, it's a 10-part series, right? Yeah. Are they they each an hour long? I believe they're an hour long, we get two hours a weekend. Okay. So five weekends. 10-hour episodes, that's going to be nuts. Or sorry, 10 one-hour episodes, that's going to be nuts. Like when you think about it from like a, 10 hour I'm, I'm so hoping that this is really well done because it's 10 the, hours it's worth ESPN of, and as much as people give them credit for certain things they do this type of stuff the documentary the 30 yes. for 30 type deal they usually do a whoever's running that operation that branch that whatever you want to call it usually does a fantastic job with these stories what I was going to say though is I'm just hoping from a historic standpoint that this is done impeccably which I assume it will be so we can have this 10 hours of media on a player that we so dearly beloved in Chicago and far, far mm-hmm. beyond that we can in 20 years look back at and have that be the comprehensive work on Michael Jordan. That's what I'm hoping for. Yeah. I know that's a big ask, but I think that would be really cool it's if like by far going to be have, the most in-depth story on you know, yeah. Michael Jordan told since 98. And and it sounds like, you know, it's it's about Mike, obviously, because most things were about Mike, but we're going to learn a lot about this team too. I think this is this is aimed at being about the Bulls in the '90s, not just mm-hmm. Michael Jordan. Yeah, that's um, I'm pumped. Needless to say, very exciting. That's airing Sunday, uh, the first two hours of that. But um, prior to then, and maybe that will even spark some spark inspiration some best for best ofs, um, best. Uh, uh, and I know we've hit this one before, best Chicago sporting event you've ever been to. That's why a couple of my ideas were non-Chicago. We can dig into some new stuff there. But um, Best, we'll come best up Chicago sporting event you weren't at, because I don't think we have it with just favorite Chicago sporting event in general, because I don't think we've necessarily, might not have even answered that one. Whatever you guys um, want to talk about. We'll yes, just, uh, and we will go whatever direction that you guys want us to go. Obviously, we'll have a couple topics ready-made here, but our best stuff always comes from you guys. So hit us up, Moose and Runes, on Twitter or text Matt and I. Your best of lists for episode lists. Pardon me for episode one fifty. Who knows? Maybe if we can make it work, we'll make it an after dark episode. Oh, really that would be something special. Yeah, that'd be something special. Matt, you got anything else for the people here? So I, I do one quick thing. You're talking about alcohol sales and stuff, and how quickly some of these college stadiums might yes, bring, yes, it, yes. bring it in. I, I, I remembered. Like, the um, remember Notre Dame opened up at Texas like 
five years ago. It was in 2016. It was that okay. shootout, 51-48, whatever. I was there. It was terrible. Um, but I remembered after that, uh, hearing that the, the alcohol sales from that game were absolutely ridiculous. Do you have any idea how much re- uh, revenue that generated for Texas? Just strictly alcohol sales from Notre alcohol Dame and sales Texas. that game against Notre Dame and Texas. Yes. If I knew it was say, a high number, I wanted to look say, it up. To get say exactly. $11 a beer, you're selling... How many thousand you got? At, where for was, this, that? was that at the sugar bowl? For, was that at the sugar bowl? No, that was, that was in uh, that was in uh, Texas. That was in it was at, okay. Yes, the, at Texas over, State, overall for the season, 80. I'll give you overall for the season. The school generated three point one million dollars in revenue from alcohol. Okay, sales. my guess was going to be a little bit high on it, but let's say uh, let's say six hundred and fifty thousand dollars worth of that three point seven hundred and one <laughs> and two hundred thirty four thousand dollars worth of. They were drinking in Austin from a capacity crowd of one hundred two thousand fans. Hey, That's you put nice. you put Catholics and Texans in a room and some some sort of mixture of that Venn diagram, and you might have a little alcohol consumption. <laughs> just just a little bit, apparently. <laughs> um, well, Matt, let's uh, let's enjoy our, our day here. Maybe do a little alcohol consumption of our own. It's it's the weekend for the kids, so it thir- Thursday on Thursday is the weekend for everybody in quarantine. Yeah, Thursday, Thursday is the I feel like the weekend goes Thursday to Sunday. So get that work done before lunch. Uh, crack something open. Enjoy a little sunshine on your face. Hopefully. You, you've lunch. been doing any uh, like these you know, people are doing a lot of virtual happy hours with the friends with the family um, you've been doing any couple, that on zoom done a couple zoom meetings uh with a with the group of guys with a couple wesleyan guys there you uh, go little, little cocktail here or there um and then we did a couple easter zoom meetings with uh the family good. members which i was, saw i i saw uh, your, your comedy shots of your dad changing like hats yeah like he was just changing times. hats he was i don't love know what, what that had to do with easter but love he was it. showing off his hat collection love it uh, Got no better, no better time than than there. Yeah. So uh, to to the ones we love, thank you for listening to the Moose and Runes podcast, episode one forty nine and a half. Uh, for Matt Rooney, I'm Joe Musso. As we said, get us those best of questions. We're going to dig into all that and your leading storylines a week from today. Enjoy the last dance. Enjoy your weekends. Enjoy the company you keep. For Matt, I'm Joe. We'll talk to you guys soon. May God give you for every storm a rainbow, for every tear a smile, for every care a promise, and a blessing in each trial. I swear I've seen a lot of stuff in my life, but that was awesome. (laughs) Chicken on the steak was phenomenal.